This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Warren. I'm your host. I just wanted to let you know this week's episode, I had originally planned to have a brand new episode, a conversation that I had with Andy Kolber about trauma. That episode will be next week. This past week, as I'm sure most people listening are aware, there was another mass shooting, this time at a high school in Florida. And as tends to happen with these things in the aftermath, I have seen a flood of comments about mental illness and violence, linking them, linking medications, things of that nature, both online and from public officials, leaders, people like that. So I I thought that it, it might be important in that type of conversation for us to be informed, to have a little more facts, to have listened recently to a, a conversation around those topics. So what I thought would be maybe more beneficial this week is to rebroadcast an episode from last year, late last year, just a couple months ago, tragically enough um, that these things keep being so relevant, but a conversation that Steve and I had with Gabe Howard. Uh, He's the host of the Psych Central podcast and uh, a bunch of other things that he does. So I don't want to spend too long in the intro, but I thought I would just tell you why Maybe you're hearing this for the second time. If this is your first time listening, uh, be sure to go back and check out some other episodes. But just a heads up, we do kind of drop in in the middle of a conversation here. We had started talking and we were waiting on another guest, but then decided just to roll with it the way it was. Uh, so so there's not a formal intro, but I thought it was a beneficial conversation. Since the topics are once again in the news, thought it would be important for us to hear. So come back next week for a brand new episode with Andy Kolber on trauma. In the meantime, here's a rebroadcast of a conversation that Steve and I had with Gabe Howard on violence and mental illness. We were having this conversation yesterday, and I said, you know, mental health and violence, really, there's not a connection there. That That's, as Robert says, that's such a myth. And um, he was like, man, that's news to me, because every time you hear about these shootings, um, mental health is thrown around. Of course, some people with mental illness will become violent. But, uh, you know, the example that I always use is that, you know, some wives will become violent. Some husbands will become violent. Right. We, we don't try to outlaw marriage, and we certainly don't blame all violence on marriage. Yeah. We have yeah. we have violent examples of everything from from this is a faith based show. We have examples of pastors who have abused their power and, and been violent. That doesn't make pastors bad. We right. have teachers that have abused their power and become we're, we're not trying to blame all violence on pastors, teachers, marriage. But for some mm-hmm. reason, we get over to mental illness and we're like, ah, it's all them. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Yep. Stop Lock it. them up. Stop this. 
Well, and that's what, that's one of the great things that Andre said too. He said, you know, I want to talk about the ways that we dehumanize people when we do this kind of thing. So, um, so Andre's black and is very, 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 very passionate about social justice and racism. And he said, you know, we have a a shooting and it's a, a shooting by a black man. And we say, oh, he's just a thug. Oh, he's just a gangbanger. And the conversation is over. We have a white guy who shoots up a theater or a church or a school, and we say, oh, he's a very deranged person, uh, and and he's crazy. End of conversation. And we drop it there. We dehumanize them with these labels, and then that's it. And we don't have the conversation that's really important to have underneath that. So, well, um, and there's a couple of your, – your, and, and, and he won, yes. Everything that he just said is true, but it, it's also a little more sinister than that sometimes as well. Because in the cases of minorities, we look for reasons to blame them. And in the case of white males, we look for reasons to not blame them. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because the secondary conversation always becomes, well, he was abused as a child. Well, he had a rough upbringing. Oh, his father was a veteran. Oh, he was a veteran. Notice whenever it's a, a, a minority, uh, it, it, like you said, it's, we never look for reasons that, that, that humanize them at all. Yeah. We never talk about their childhood, their upbringing, their service, anything that they did good in the community. We don't focus on that. We focus on anything that we did or not anything that they did poorly. Yeah. And you know, my best example is always Trayvon Martin. This was a kid. We, we found a picture of a kid. He had his hoodie on. He looked all tough and, and he was making, you know, guns with his fingers. That didn't say thug to me. Yeah. That, that said immature. That said, child, that said the way that I acted when I was 14. But the media just published that picture. Really? We we, we couldn't find a single picture of him hugging his mom. And, of course, the answer is we could. We went looking for a bad picture. Hmm. And we don't do that in the case of white male shooters. We go looking for pictures where they are hugging their mom because we just desperately want to believe that white people are good and black people are terrorists. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Talk about it's... mental illness. That, uh, that no, kind sorry. of thinking is mentally ill. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's one of those things that, like, once you see it, you can't really unsee it. Because even the headlines, you know, the Las Vegas shooter, there was, you know, a, some headline, it was like, you know, Las Vegas shooter was country music fan and something else. And I was like, what? what are we focusing on here? Like, this guy gets hobbies listed right. as his, like, main things. Instead of, you know, is a gang member, has been, you know, altercations at school or whatever. This guy gets his hobbies listed. Like, what yeah. kind of, you know. He was a complicated man that loved his mom. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then killed 500 people or, you know, injured 500 people and right. killed scores more. Yeah. And yeah. the the whole, it's fascinating to me that, that anything becomes mental illness. We, we've got the case of a 65-year-old guy that really showed no sign, or 64-year-old man that showed no signs of mental illness previously and then shot up a bunch of people. And we decided to go, we being society, decided to go the mental illness route. And this shows you that the, this is base, under, base misunderstanding of how mental illness works. Because really, it's much more likely that he had, if we're, if we're looking for a, a, a brain connection, that he had early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, a traumatic brain injury. It is very unlikely to develop mental illness at 64. Most people right. don't wake up and, and, and after a, a perfectly lived life, all of a sudden have schizophrenia at 64. It just doesn't work that way. 
mental illness, you know, it, 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 it starts to come out very early in life, you know, 16 to 24 is its onset. This is a 64 year old man with no symptomology beforehand. If they, if they wanted to make excuses for him, they should have said he had Alzheimer's, but that just shows you that they're just, they just want the word mental illness in there so bad that they were willing to diagnose a 64 year old with the first symptoms of mental illness ever. Hmm. That's just, that doesn't make sense. Well, I think part of it, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about about the use of the term mental illness because, you know, if you think about diagnosable, but then I've had friends say, you know, because I've said, you know, some many of these same things, and they've said, well, to do something like this, you would have to be mentally, you know, you, you can't be completely healthy and do something like this. So they're using this as a symptom, as a diagnosis marker of like, well, to do something like this, you would have to be, you know, out of your mind or whatever it is. So it's a, a different perception of maybe what the where the line is drawn you know and that's a fascinating statement to me as well because this would imply that all soldiers are mentally ill because it it, you know it's a soldier's job to kill people i mean it's not their only job i don't i'm not trying to you know insult the u.s military here please don't hear it that way but but one of the jobs when you sign up is look you need to kill enemy combatants so does that mean they're all mentally ill? I mean, they, they are killing people. But of course, we say no, because they have a reason. We've decided that their reason for doing so is good, therefore not mentally ill. Well, but we don't know what this guy's reason was. And in his mind, it may well be good. Maybe he did it for money. Maybe he did it for fame. Maybe he did it for power or control. These are not indicators of mental illness. These are actually indicators of you know a very self-serving person. And you say, well, but a normal people wouldn't, a normal person wouldn't kill people. But that's not true. We have lots of examples in our society of very normal people killing people. Yeah, uh, and yeah, normal people who snap for a moment or a few moments well, and right. do something well, and that's unthinkable. The other thing. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad you said that. There is there is a difference between you know severe and persistent mental illness, which is like what I live with with bipolar disorder and and you know others, um, and you know, a momentary mental health issue. And of course, the, the example that I always use is the difference between living with, you know, like cancer or having the flu. Both cancer and the flu are both physical illness, but one is momentary and, and one is not. Uh, mm. You know, one is, one is a lifetime illness. And um, that flu feels terrible for a week. But, well, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's not cancer for years or whatever. Right, yeah. but you're your prognosis is good, uh, yeah. and it, it's not something that you have to manage for your entire life, and most people don't die from the flu. But as I've pointed out, some people do. Mm. It is yeah. very rare to die from the flu, uh, but it is possible. The flu can turn into pneumonia, pneumonia, and you know, especially in older people or younger people or people that are already in poor health. So to take the analogy to its, you know, its conclusion, people with absolutely no mental illness can have a mental health issue that leads to this. But let's put all that away for a second. This is my favorite part, and this is where people always get mad at me. Let's pretend that all violence is, in fact, caused by mental illness. I will agree to it. Every mentally, uh, all violence, all mentally ill people, all the time. This is now a fact. I'm on board. I believe you. How come we're not better funded? You've just determined, you being society, has just determined that all violence is caused by the mentally ill. We should have unlimited money. All we have to do is fully fund the mental health system and all violence will end. Why are we begging for money in the streets? Our show should be canceled because it should be done on such a high level. I mean, 
Shows like ours should only be in prime time because this is going to end all violence. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Why do we not have, we should have entire hospitals every block just treating the mental illness issue because now we've just solved the violence problem. There is no more violence. We can get rid of police officers. I mean, this is going to be such a cost. So the people saying it don't even believe it. Otherwise, the mental health right. system in every single county across America would just be dripping with cash, All not right. having their butt flashed. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting because obviously, you know, you're using it there as like this kind of uh, example. But, you know, the research suggests that mental health isn't the biggest factor in violence or even these mass shootings or anything like that. Right. There's other factors that are more likely to be indicative of, of future violence are, you know, being young, single, working class, male or substance abuse or let's see a history in uh, domestic violence or uh, I'm actually reading this off an article, having less than a high school education, any history of violence, juvenile detention, perception of hidden threats of others being divorced or separated in the past year, right? There's all sorts of things that are bigger yep. risks. But yeah. if loneliness, I, desperation, yeah. Yeah. But I think what you said right there of the people saying it don't even believe it is so like I think that's the part that I've been so fired up about recently because I, and I even sent a tweet out about this, I think, like, kind of right after, you know, the big public statements about this is a mental health issue. If you really believed that, then you wouldn't have been voting to take away mental health coverage, you know, 50 times in the last four years. Like, let's be honest right. about it. And that's an actual number, you know. So, like, you're just trying to deflect away from a thing that you don't actually want to talk about. And in doing so, you're scapegoating an entire group of people, you know, one-fourth of adults in the United States that deal with a mental health issue sometime in the past year. And that's, of course, what's so sad, is right. that we're, we're scapegoating a group of people that, that, one, don't have a lot of resources anyways. You, you, you know, I mean, I'm doing okay, but I, I'm not, it, when it comes to the severely mentally ill, I am atypical. Um, and the reason I'm atypical is because, you, you know, I, I had good resources up front. And the reason I had good resources when I was first diagnosed isn't because of decisions that I made. It's because I was, I was born into a family that, you know, made decisions that helped me along the way before I was even born. You know, my mom and dad are still married. Um, they, they were able to take time off to help me. They, they had money to, you know, help me pay for doctors. I had good insurance because, you know, I, I had a good education. This, this isn't stuff that I earned. This is stuff that I was handed. Um, right. I'm glad I was handed. It, it makes my parents great people. But the reason that I'm well is not because I earned it. It's because I had good parents and I had right. insurance. And it, I, I'm glad. I, I'm not trying to give those things back. But there are many people that could live just as well as me if they, too, had a good support system and health insurance. And it makes me sad that they don't have good health insurance, so they can't see doctors. And, it, you, you know, their, their families have given up on them, so they don't have good support systems. And that makes me realize that I am both incredibly lucky and the world is incredibly unfair. Yeah. So awesome. let's bring let's bring our dear old friend Pat Robertson into the conversation. And um, for those of you who aren't familiar, Pat Robertson um, is has a talk show, The 700 Club, on the Christian Broadcasting Network. He's a, a televangelist. I believe he ran for president a million years ago. And on his show on Monday, here is what he said. There's got to be a thorough investigation into the effect 
of antidepressants. There have been so many of these mass killings, and almost every one, as I've said before, has had some nexus to antidepressants. So we have to see what we are giving people. Go ahead, respond, is, either one of you. <laughs> so this is the part I texted you before, and I warned you that I was fired up this morning. I just, I, I'm so frustrated with this. Because if you, okay, I'm going to say this in like the least insulting way because I'm not trying to like attack anybody. That's fine. If, if, I, if I came on this show and said, hey, guys, the, the sky is purple, you would say either you're lying, you're delusional, or you haven't looked into it. Like you haven't done any kind of preliminary research into that statement. And so when Pat Robertson comes on your show and says things like this, and there's no scientific basis. In fact, there's scientific basis for the opposite, that there's no link or that we don't see a link so far in, in any kind of antidepressants and violence, that we don't see any increase in those type of things. I, I, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of you know, not attacking anybody. I don't assume he's lying and I don't assume that he's delusional, but I, I have to assume that he's done literally no looking into this whatsoever, that maybe somebody said this to him and he just went with it, and he hasn't asked anybody, he hasn't gone and looked at any science, he hasn't talked to anybody who would actually know. And that's extremely upsetting, because, you know, the 700 Club has however many hundreds of thousands of viewers who are then going to take that and use that information to influence other people in their lives, you know, say, oh, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't get treatment for this or that, and it has this ripple effect of yeah. a bunch of people avoiding treatment pastors of these smaller churches that watch his show and know no better and then pass that information on to their churches oh my gosh yeah or people's parents or people's uh, aunts and uncles or grandparents or i guess i'm assuming that mostly old people watch this show but you know <laughs> Gee, just, i wonder why you, know, you say hey i'm i'm you know i'm considering seeing a psychiatrist and someone goes oh uh, i've heard you know and then you don't Go do it. And it's, I mean, it, it impacts the entire culture that we have around mental health treatment, around people getting the medication they need to, to function the way that, that they want to and that they should. And that we would say, hey, you deserve to be happy and healthy and whole. You know, it just has this ridiculous impact, whether we think it impacts the whole culture or not, it, it does, you know. And so it's statements like these that are based in nothing are so frustrating. And that's, you know, a, a, the the comment that I had about it was, you know, there are enough barriers to treatment, to mental health treatment in the United States, right? People can't afford it and there's not enough professionals. And, you know, there's enough barriers to treatment that we don't need to be making new ones up out of thin air. The, the, there's, there's many, many things to unpack here. But, but here's what I'm going to say, first of all. Correlation doesn't equal causation. For example, a lot of people die in hospitals. The conclusion is not hospitals are dangerous. You know, that, that's, that's the thing that really gets me. And if we let's take his statement and, and replace some words, let's pull out the part where he said, you know, we need to look into antidepressants and replace that with white males. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's like, that's a ridiculous statement. We don't need to look into white males. They're, they're, what are you talking about? That's that's not true that, you, you know, there's there's millions of white males on the planet. We've got a couple of people that have that have misbehaved. I'm going to go with misbehaved. Uh, <laughs> people would reject that immediately. But you change that. To certain words, uh, in, in some cases, you know, you, you change that to uh, an African-American male and people are like, oh, we should investigate that. No, you shouldn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
we changed that to antidepressant. Oh, we should look into that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. There are a lot of people on antidepressants. And given the number of people who take antidepressants, which I think at last count was almost 38% of America, we don't have 38% of America causing violence. Wow. So therefore, uh, you you know, we've got some problems here. And and please, viewers, I'm I'm kind of pulling that that stat out of my hip. I I don't know the exact number, but but it's very high. It's significantly higher than the few mass shootings that we had this month, uh, you you know, to, to, to weigh them out. Now, a few mass shootings is too much. And there you go. How come he didn't replace the word antidepressant, which with we need to look into this violence. We need to look into why we as a society have accepted this level of violence. We need to look into the gun control issue. Again, it's not a slam on guns. Uh, I'm not anti-gun in any way. But could we be doing better? Yeah. You know, if all I've said it before, I'm anti-desperate people with guns, you know, (laughs) Uh, and of course, the last thing is I've said this before and I'll say it again. If it's really all the depressed people causing the problem, why don't we have better funding to help depressed people? Let's let's just let's just call a spade a spade. This is a man with lots of power and influence. Has he has he galvanized his base? to go out and volunteer in homeless shelters. No. Is he asking people to donate? Now, again, this is a this is a bipartisan statement. I am not for or against Donald Trump. I'm merely talking about politics. I want to make that very clear so that all the Trump supporters don't hate me and all the all the you know the, the Democrats thing. I just I, I'm talking about policy and policy only. I always make this very, very clear. Here's what we know. We're trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. We're trying to get rid of Medicaid expansion. Both of these things provide needed health insurance to people with mental illness. People with mental illness with resources get better, and therefore, according to popular culture, won't be desperate and won't cause crime. We are cutting those things as Americans, therefore making more desperate people with less resources get sicker, and therefore, according to popular culture, increasing violence. Let's start there. Wow, right. Which isn't even there's isn't even statistically true. But if it were true, we're going the wrong way anyway. Is is kind of the point yeah, you're making, not, right? That yeah. that that's I, I'm I'm so glad that you said that. It, it it's not true. Do people with mental illness uh, cause some violence? Absolutely, but not the majority. Not in in huge the, these huge numbers. And and again, the media will do anything to link mental illness. We had a gentleman with autism, and all of a sudden, that became mental illness. Autism is not on the mental illness spectrum. It's on the developmental disability spectrum. But it wouldn't make a good headline to attack developmentally disabled people. So they put it over on mental illness because everybody's okay attacking us. But look, you can't change the definitions of words. You, you can't move diagnoses around. You can't, we have to look at things for what they are. Did somebody with mental illness commit violence? Absolutely unequivocally for sure is this a majority no is is this is this going to happen to all of us no i live with mental illness never been violent i've been the victim of a violent crime um small i I shouldn't let me apologize i have been the victim of violence low level violence but it's scary depressed people don't have the ability to fight back yeah because you know we're depressed well, and uh, these statements are coming from, you know, the same kind of person who would say, because there was a gay man once who once molested a child, 
all gay people are child molesters, right? That's It's that thinking. It's that sort of, we're going to lump it all into one basket and say, because this occurred one time, therefore this is this is the rule. But it's like, so our friend Andre Henry, who couldn't be on the in the conversation today, uh, is the new managing editor at Relevant Magazine. And he and I were talking yesterday, and I said to him, I made this statement that mental health, in fact, rarely equals violence. Okay, so he emailed me back. So let's continue it this way. Let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just want to add a little bit to this because I think there are other faith leaders like Andre who have these same questions. So here's what he emailed me back. He said, the statement, mental health in fact rarely equals violence, stands out to me because I couldn't have confidently said that because I know so little about mental health. Right? Okay, that's such a great place to start. When people say, you know what, I, just, I don't know enough. Oh my God, thank you for admitting that. That's so awesome. What a great place for us to start. So he said, this is from Andre, talk to people like me who are hearing that word being thrown around every time there's a mass shooting. How do you, as someone who knows a lot about this topic, feel about the way we talk about mental illness post-mass shooting? What needs to change? What are the pieces we're missing in the conversation? So that's the whole thing we're talking about today. Yeah, I, th- well, I think it goes back. Stop saying stupid stuff. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be mean, but yeah, if you hear something enough, it becomes true. Uh, if, if every time there's a mass shooting, we say, oh, my God, something has to be done about pancakes. Eventually, a large portion of the population will believe that pancakes are evil. Mm. And why wouldn't they? Mm. Um you, you, you know, we've got the president of the United States. We, we've got our leaders um, from from senators, presidents, um, you know, governors, mayor telling us they're, they're telling us that this is the cause. And we're supposed to tell all them that they're wrong. They are wrong. But <laughs> I can't get mad at people for believing them. I mean, why on earth would the president of the United States lie to people? But this is our reality. The president of the United States is, is either lying outright, he knows this isn't it, and he's saying it anyways, or he, he hasn't done his research, and he's giving the, the populace misinformation, and they're reacting to that misinformation. Both of them are equally dangerous. One is just more malicious. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, I'm looking at a thing here. You know, Persons with mental health diagnosis commit only 4 to 5% of all violent acts nationwide, right? which isn't any higher than any other group of person. You know, in fact, and uh, Gabe referenced it there, people suffering from severe mental illnesses are much more likely to be the victims of violent crimes than perpetrators, right? Those rates are way higher. And so I think it does come back to some level of education and some level of people who are leaders who are willing to get that kind of education to do a, a Google search. I mean, this, Steve, you and I did like 30 minutes of research yesterday and came up with a lot of this stuff, who are willing to stand up and say, hey, that is not true, you know, whether you're on a TV show or you're a politician or whatever, to stand up and say, hey, that's not true. Can we have a conversation about this? Because like you're saying, if our leaders are giving the wrong information, we can only do so much three guys on a podcast, right? So we need people who are willing to learn and then to have public conversations that are in a big enough space that people will hear it and listen. Yeah. You know, that's what's sad about this. Um, you know, let's, let's say that you're, you're, you're John Q. Public. Um, you're, just, you're just a regular person, and, you, and you're hearing conflicting information. Um, the three guys on the podcast are saying, look, this is not true. 
And the president of the United States is saying, yes, it is. Now, you're just John Q. Public, and you have to decide who to believe. You know, that, that's a really tough one. I, I would like to live in a society where, you know, three people that have a podcast uh, are not the authorities on, on subjects over <laughs> our elected officials. I would like to hold our elected officials to significantly higher standards. Um, but the reality is, is they are wrong. Uh, we can prove what we're saying. The facts do not align the way that, that you know, certain political figures are, are trying to say that they do. And that makes me very sad because I can't necessarily get mad at the public for choosing to believe elected officials over, uh, you, you know, three guys on a podcast. I, I'm sorry. I, I love all of us very much. But <laughs> who who is our certifying body? What, what Who watches over us? Who, you know, we, we've just chosen to do our research. And I'd still like to say we could be wrong too. Yeah. Frankly, everybody that listens to us should should, you know, look at our sources. Like you said, do some Google searches. Use our podcast as a use this show as a place to start. Uh and then and then form your own opinions based on the research is available. Because hey, maybe we've come up with the wrong opinion. Yeah. I've been wrong before and I will no doubt be wrong again. But I understand why the public is just not believing us. They're afraid. And people in power and authority who have been hired to lead us have given us this reason. That's, that's what's saddest of all. And as you pointed out, we have religious leaders telling us too. So we can't listen to our political leaders. We can't listen to our religious leaders. I mean, my God, who's left? Like, like should we, what? Just like, I don't know. I mean, who, who do we have? Like, who should we follow? Like, yeah. is Howard Stern on the air? I mean, I guess we could follow him, but man, that's, that's problematic as well. So we're just, we're just, this is just a mess. There's just nobody that we can reliably follow. So now we're stuck doing all the research by ourselves, and none of us have time. Yeah. We can't possibly research every single social problem that we have. So we're just screwed. I, I mean, I, can I say screwed on your show? Oh, yeah. We've said much <laughs> yeah. worse, trust me. Uh, so I think you said something interesting there about not being able to trust anyone, but I think that is one of the reasons why I think that I, t I try to take the approach, and I know that a lot of us do, of instead of just you know getting in these fights of calling out someone so for being wrong and attacking them, how do we, theoretically, if I knew Pat Robertson, how could I call him up and say, hey, can we have this conversation? Can we work together to move forward in this conversation? Because when it comes to just fighting, you know, that guy's wrong, that guy's wrong, people especially, you know, the research shows if you challenge somebody's political beliefs or their religious beliefs, they get defensive, even if you provide them with evidence. So how do we make it, instead of a fight, how do we make it, you know, us working with people in places of power to move forward? Well, that's hey, the I whole problem. Whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole, I keep interrupting you, like, I feel bad. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I forget I'm not the only one on the show. I'll, I'll be quiet now. No, you're good. I, we're probably going to say the same thing. I think that's the whole problem with our entire culture. It's the problem with politics. We are the right is going further to the right. The left is going further to the left. No one is coming to the middle and saying, hey, I'm going to look you in the eyes. I'm going to shake your hand. Even if I completely disagree with you, I'm going to respect you as a human being. I'm going to show you just basic common human decency and let us sit down at the table and have some coffee or have a beer and have a conversation we're we're not do we're yelling at each other we're throwing tomatoes we're but we're not we're we're going further apart i think than even considering coming together and bridging the gap 
that's very true as well. And I, I did a whole presentation uh, for a long time. It was called uh, Educate, Don't Instigate. And the whole thing was, I, I think mm. a lot of times when people say things that we don't like, we instigate a fight. And we need to avoid that. We need, as the educators, we need to be aware of, of buzzwords, of, of things that, that, that make people dig in their heels and not want to agree with you just because, well, you know, frankly, they hate you. Um, so I believe in an educational approach. Um, the other phrase that, that I say to myself a gajillion times a day, and, uh, and, and I know that that's not really a word, but it should be because that's how often that I do it, is that disagreement does not equal disrespect. That's I exactly disagree right. with my wife all the time. And my wife is the greatest person in the entire world, and I mean that sincerely, but she is wrong about a lot of stuff. This does not change my respect for her one iota. And the, the reverse is also true. Obviously, if I think she's wrong, then she thinks I'm wrong. So she's wandering around saying, man, my husband is wrong about a lot of stuff. But her respect for me has not changed one iota. So if, if you know, you, you, we just have to behave that way. Uh, just because somebody disagrees with you does not mean they disrespect you. It does not mean that they hate you. And it does not mean uh, and this is a big one. It does not mean that they are your enemy. Um, and we just we just have such a hard time with that concept. Uh, we kind yeah. of want everybody to think exactly like us, which, man, would just make the world so awful. Uh, just so awful. It would be so boring. I, I don't want everybody to be gay. I'd have nobody to talk to because all of us would just be talking all the time. <laughs> <laughs> just be so loud. If we have a moment, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of points that are just basically one big point that I, I would like to bring up to kind of tie this together. Yeah, absolutely. In our society, we have a tendency to look for the cause. And the key word there being the, the truth of the matter is, is we're not looking for single causes. We're looking for multiple causes. Uh, it's, it's possible that mental illness was a factor uh, in, in some of these cases. It's just not the only factor. And we do a great job of saying, hey, this person was X, and therefore that's why this happened. The truth of the matter is, is the reason that a lot of this is happening is because of X, Y, Z, one, two, three. It's because of stuff that happened to this person in their childhood. It's because of, of, of systematic failures over dozens of years in some cases. Um, it, it's because of lots of little things, lots of major things, lots of culture problems, lots of issues. It's a huge problem that has many, many, many causes. And right now, the biggest failure of everyone, I believe, is that we're looking for single causes. It's mm. not a single cause. This is, this is a multi-level failure that, has, that is just it's gaining momentum because we're trying to solve it with simple answers. The problem is complex. Therefore, the yeah. solution will be complex as well. Yeah, I think that's applicable to almost every area, you know, when we talk about just because suicide prevention is kind of an area that I do a lot of, you know, people will say, oh, what, you know, what caused this person's suicide, death or anything like that? And they try to pinpoint a thing and it's always, hey, it's a plethora of things, you know? So I think that's right. such a good point in every area of modern life. Yeah, it'd be great if it was only one thing, because one thing is easier to fix than it doesn't. But it's, it's, it's not one thing. I mean, it's, you know, I, I've said a million times, I wish that all violence was caused by mental illness, because then it would be so easy to resolve. I mean, for real, just lock us all up and call it a day. Um, yeah. Because after all, we're all violent. But it, it's not true. 
it, it's just simply not true. And anybody that thought about it for more than a nanosecond would realize, wait, it, it, it's not possible that every single murderer in prison is also mentally ill. I mean, really? Just that, that's, that, that's what you think is happening? Just, just think about that for a moment. Every single murderer that's ever stood trial is mentally ill. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. That falls apart immediately. Every single Nazi, mentally ill. Every single enemy combatant, mentally ill. I mean, come on. It just it breaks down immediately. And uh, even I am simplifying it in this discussion because it, it's, it's way more complex than the words that, that even we are using. Um, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea that, hey, it's not my fault, and we can't blame people because somebody who was kind of like us did something wrong. Uh, that's just that's just stupid. I mean, man, if a podcaster ever goes crazy, all of us are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is good stuff, Gabe. Thank you so much for being on. Where Tell us where people can best connect with you. So the, the first thing I want to tell people is you should go to psychcentral.com slash show and listen to my podcast. It's not as cool as this one. Uh, it, it is way educational. It's the best 20 minutes that you'll spend if you want to learn about topics like mental health and psychology. And it's really conversational. You get to hear from me. You get to hear from my co-host, Vincent M. Wales. And uh, we have cool guests. Sometimes we talk about things. It's just, it really is designed to take high-level mental health and psychology concepts and break them down to, in layman's terms so that you can leave with a little more information than you started. And we get you out in 20 minutes. So, I mean, just, that's the best part right there. And you'll laugh a couple of times. Ben usually gets in one good jab. <laughs> the place to find me, uh, Gabe Howard, all by my lonesome, is uh, GabeHoward.com. Uh, you know, that obviously makes sense. It's my name with a .com behind it. Uh, go there. You can find my Facebook page. You can find my blog. You can find links to stuff. And, you know, I did stuff. There's like a brag wall. I mean, that's mandatory. And, uh, of course, it's also got my email address. And, and yeah, so GabeHoward.com is where you find Gabe. PsychCentral.com slash show is where you find my podcast. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. Look, people, if you haven't heard anything else from this conversation, let's wrap it up right here. People with mental health are typically not violent. People with mental health are typically not unstable. You probably know someone with a mental health problem and don't even realize it because so many of us are highly active, productive members of our communities, our churches. We're involved, and you should get to know us because we're really cool and we're lots of fun. So thanks for hanging out. Robert, any final thoughts? No. Uh, I mean, I think this has been great. Thank you to Gabe. I would second the recommendation for his show. I know that you know you take his with a grain of salt because it's his show, but I'll recommend it as well. He does. They do a great job of, in 20 minutes, having a great conversation that is understandable around a variety of topics. So go check that out. Connect with him on Twitter and all sorts of stuff. You know where to find me and Steve, so do that if you want. That's it. I recommend this show as well. The one that you're listening to, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> You should awesome. listen next week and download all the previous episodes to give them a boost in the ratings. In fact, there was a pretty good one on uh, bipolar disorder a while back. There yeah, we talked with some guy one, there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked that guy a lot. Like, he was very knowledgeable. He reminded me of a younger me. <laughs> a younger me. That's awesome. Oh, good deal, Gabe. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. 
Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.